Welcome to Nika in the Know, a podcast for healthcare providers in the HIV field. I'm Mariana Breitman. Today we're sitting down with Jameer Tutin, the Community Engagement Coordinator at Research with a Heart. Welcome, Jameer. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Us too. So for folks who might not be familiar, can you tell us a little bit about Research with a Heart? Okay, so I'll try to be as, as succinct as possible. Research with the Heart is a research center located in North New Jersey out of University Hospital. It's a department within the infectious disease practice out of the Rutgers, New Jersey Medical School. And I've been with the team for about three years, almost four, but the site overall has been functioning as its own department for over 15 years. So we've been around for quite some time. Within recent years, we've done TB studies. We've had a lot of focus on HIV treatment and prevention. And newly, we've um, been tapped by the COVPN, that's the COVID Prevention Network. Um, that's another DAIDS-funded division of research. And that is a federally funded organization, um, just for people who don't know. Uh, who gives us funding to conduct these research trials here in the local community. So we've been around for quite some time and we've been really focusing a lot on HIV because, you know, like everyone else, we want to fight to end the epidemic. But since COVID has begun, we've been focusing a lot on that as well. So we've been really busy, um, but we specialize in culturally competent research and we put the community first. And what exactly do you as the community engagement coordinator do? As the community engagement coordinator, I do 13,000 things. <laughs> um, uh, I think the baseline of that is I'm a recruiter and I've been a recruiter since being here. And that's really important for the work that we do because without the people in the community, we don't have any clinical trials. We don't have any basis for the work that we do. So it starts with it starts with education and support. You have to educate the community on the things that you do and why it's necessary and important. And then you have to offer some sort of support. So not only do we provide research for people to voluntarily participate in, but we are like a resource hub. We consider ourselves a safe space for persons of the LGBT plus communities. And we also have a lot of different things that we do to, you know, kind of encourage the community to learn about how they can have the, for the betterment of their health and wellness and how to live their best lives. So, you know, my job consists of me engaging with people, educating them about clinical research, going out into the community, recruiting people in real time, then being here at the clinic and making sure that we're retaining these people properly and that we're engaging them and getting to know a little bit more about them, themselves and their health and wellness. Uh, I also manage our social media with another one of our staff members, Andrew, which is a super big job to do. We're very active on social media. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook, Research with the Heart. And we're on Twitter, RWAH North. And we have a YouTube channel. So. Those are just some of the things that I do along with editing videos, creating um, content, uh, being able to support our unit in every way possible. One day I might be in the field, the next day I might be sitting here with Mariana 
doing a podcast interview. So it's definitely um, a lot of different things, but I like it like that because every day is something new and it's something different. Um, you know, the work you described sounds so vital to the community. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what are the driving factors for you to continue doing this kind of work? Yeah, sure. So I've never had a, a job where I was positioned this closely to something that, you know, affects me personally. I am a gay Black man um, in America. And, you know, if if you are of the LGBT plus communities or if you're of, of the Black and Brown communities or any minority, especially here in the United States today, you are part of a marginalized group. So with that, you know, you're facing a lot of things that other communities and certain people don't have to deal with, such as, you know, um, medical mistrust and historical trauma around um, clinical trials. You know, a lot of times, you know, I can't talk to people without them bringing up Tuskegee. And I think for me, it's really important to do work that's gonna benefit a community that I belong to. So being able to engage with the transgender community, especially a group of people who I was once ignorant to, you know, even being a black gay man, it allowed me to educate myself. It allowed me to put myself in a position where I can not only learn from being trained and attending various conferences, but I can learn from the participants that we engage with. I can learn firsthand and hear their stories, understand why, you know, sex work is important and why, you know, a lot of transgender people have to do sex work because they are not invited and have a seat at the tables that would allow them to have a prosperous, appropriate, if you will, career. Um, there are a lot of gay children who have been, you know, disposed of by their families and we welcome them into our spaces. We offer them different resources. We try to encourage them to, you know, want better for themselves and do things in a way that they're doing less harm and more good. So there's a lot of things that connects me to this position, especially being a part of a community that I get to serve, <clears throat> excuse me, every day. So I think that's the number one thing that, you know, keeps me wanting to do this more and more. As you're talking about all this, you know, something that comes to mind is, you know, how do you remain engaged with the community? <sighs> that is a tough question in the era of a pandemic. So normally, you know, pre-COVID, we had so many ways to continue um, to remain engaged with the community, especially with our participants. We send our participants birthday cards. We like to post relevant things that they care about on social media. We like to post jobs. We like to post community resources and things of that nature. A lot of times I will be in the office during the day and in the evening I will be going to ballroom events that our participants would invite us to because we have to show them that we mean what we say. We have to show up for them and support them in every way possible. There were um, a lot of attacks going on against the transgender community here in Newark, violent attacks that, you know, we would go and march in rallies and, you know, leave the office to go show our support for these, these situations so that people can understand that, you know, it's not just about an ask for us. We're not just asking you to participate in research. We're not just looking to you to do something that 
is going to benefit us. We really want to give you something that's going to benefit everyone. And if that means showing up and, and being present and offering whatever, whatever we can offer, we're going to do that. You know, before COVID, we were able to remain connected in person. We were able to go outside. We didn't have masks. We can hug. We can talk. We can get close and really have that community vibe. But when the pandemic hit, you know, we had to really re rely on everything to be virtual. And that was tricky for us. It was tricky in the sense that, yeah, we had established social media platforms and we were really engaged prior to the pandemic, but we weren't working from a point of view where that's all we could do. And since that's where we kind of are now still, we've come up with a lot of different things such as a, a, a series that we do that we're actually starting called The Rundown that's kind of similar to this, but it's not a podcast. It's something that we host on Facebook Live and Instagram Live. And it's me and my colleague, Travis. And we just talk about relevant things, social injustices, um, the hate crimes against the Asian um, and Pacific Islander communities, like, and all the things that people want to talk about, the mistrust in regards to the COVID-19 vaccines. And we don't shy away from things that we feel would maybe sometimes hurt people's idea of clinical trials. We like to bring it to the forefront and really give people an opportunity to talk about and to engage with us about anything that they have a concern about, anything that may make them leery of trusting a medical provider. While on the flip side of that, being able to then come to clinical spaces and try to change them, try to um, address the implicit biases that physicians have and that medical offices and, and, and front desk staff may show towards a person of the LGBT plus community. So it's a lot of different ways we show up. It's a lot of different ways we try to continue to engage. And it's a it's honestly a balancing act because you're not always going to get it right. You're not always going to hit the mark, but nothing be nothing beats a fail but a try. Can you tell folks a little bit about some of these clinical trials that you're currently conducting? Of course. <laughs> um, so I work on a lot of the prevention trials for HIV. So one of the really super important um, trials that we're doing right now is the Mosaico study. The Mosaico study started at a really bad time because it started January 2020 when we were at the peak of the beginning of what we know now to be the COVID-19 pandemic. So we weren't able to really recruit or really even officially be activated until August of last year, which really hurt us because this is a phase three vaccine study. We're coming on the heels of, we need a vaccine for COVID. People don't trust vaccines. People don't trust the government, the politicization of vaccines and all these things that we are up against. It kind of caused the study to lag a little bit and shed light on more conspiracies and myths than the actual science and work that have, have been proven to be successful enough to get a study like Mosaico to be phase three. Phase three is huge. That means that there has been some successions in the first two phases and that it's ready to be tried in humans. And it's really super important for people to know that when it comes to HIV, this is 40 years of work. This is us leading up to this moment. So that clinical trial is super important and that's for HIV negative persons 
who are men who have sex with men and trans people who have sex with men. We also have two new great studies called Empower. One is 022, and that's a women's study. Now, a lot of times I would travel all around and do education sessions and talk to people, and we'd have a lot of heterosexual women wanting to engage in clinical trials around PrEP. They want to be protected against HIV. They want to have a seat at the table and an opportunity to participate in these things, but there really weren't any trials doing that work. So now we have this wonderful clinical trial that we just started around PrEP for women. And then there's a sister, well, brother study called 024, that's for men who have sex with men and trans people. Um, and that's a PrEP uptake study as well. So we're doing a lot of work with HIV prevention. And as far as COVID, we've been heavily focused on the COMPASS study. Now we participated in the Moderna trial, which has led us to provide that Moderna vaccine. So we were really proud of that. Um, but now more recently, we've been participating in the COMPASS study. Now COMPASS, I like to break it down uh, so people understand it like the census. You know how every so often we have to get a count of how many people are where to kind of establish what the needs are within our communities all around. So COMPASS is kind of doing the same thing. This is a one-time nasal swab COVID test and a one-two blood draw to see if you have antibodies. And this study study's design is only to measure the impact of COVID. We need to know what other things we need to fight this pandemic. What other medications, what other treatments, what other, other observational studies will benefit us in eradicating this situation? So the COMPASS study is super, super important. So look out for us in the community. We're out almost every day at various venues recruiting for this particular study. And this is a study that we're trying to get like 4,000 people in. So we have our work cut out for us. Um, we have a lot of HIV treatment trials that are going on, Reprieve, um, and a couple of other trials that I can't think of off the top of my head, but we're super, super busy. And if you want to engage in any of these things, feel free to email us at researchwithaheart at njms.ruckers.edu to learn more information on how you can get involved. That sounds like a lot of work. It's a whole <laughs> lot. It's a whole lot. Um, what other local organizations have you partnered with to carry out some of these biomedical clinical trials? So our one of our like missions that haven't been like finalized as our mission, but it's like our our slogan. We are a group of people that believe in community over competition. So we love to collaborate. We love to join forces with new organizations, especially that we haven't been exposed to, that their audiences may not have been exposed to us and vice versa. So we've collaborated with NJCRI, um, uh, North Jersey uh, Research Initiative. <laughs> we've partnered with AOGC, African-American Office of Gay Concerns, a staple here in North New Jersey. We've done things with uh, organizations that weren't in New Jersey, like Moby NYC, which is Mobilizing Our Brothers Initiative, a huge organization started by one of our really good friends, Deshaun Usher, who works for GLAAD now. And that organization allowed us to bring Moby Talks to North, which was one of our biggest events. And not only did we get to collaborate with Moby, we were able to collaborate with North uh, Museum, which was huge for us. And it was a really great event. We've collaborated with the North Library. We've collaborated with the various um, 
mayors here in Essex County. We've done things with Hyacinth. We've done things with Hudson Pride in Jersey City. The list goes on. We believe in collaborations. We're doing a talk tomorrow night um, with Elmwood, Elmwood Church, that's a local church here in Newark, to try to get people who are on the more religious side to understand the science behind vaccines and to kind of combat the myths that may exist within their communities. So the, the, the list of collaborators goes on and on and on. And we really love to join forces with other community organizations because we like to promote that togetherness idea. We want people to understand that we're better together than we are trying to do things apart. We've talked about PrEP a lot on this podcast before, but you know, for those listening for the first time or for people who might not know, can you tell folks what it is you know, and give a little brief description? Absolutely, absolutely. So PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. PrEP has been around as a pill. I don't know if anyone's familiar with the Travada pill, seeing the Travada commercials that were running, especially heavily last year, um, and understanding that that is just one name for that particular pill, but it is PrEP that is its purpose. And so PrEP has been around, I'd say for like seven years now, and people always raise their eyebrows, like how has it been around that long? And I don't know what it is. And the Travada PrEP pill is something that if taken as uh, prescribed, can be up to 90% effective against HIV AIDS acquisition. And more recently, they had um, another pill for PrEP called Discovy come out, which is supposed to be for not only men, but women. Um, and they're trying to have PrEP be like birth control. So you know how you have the IUD, some people have the actual pill. Some It's so many different alternatives to being on birth control. Uh, the clinicians are trying to figure out that for PrEP because not everyone's going to be able to take a pill. Some people don't live stable lifestyles. Some people don't like to swallow a pill. Some people can't remember to take a pill. So we need to enact things like a vaccine or a shot. Like we did a study called um, Give PrEP a Shot a few years ago, um, looking at cabotegavir as a long-acting injectable form of PrEP. It was proven last year in May um, while we were in the midst of the pandemic to be just as effective as the Shavada PrEP pill. That was huge for science and huge for HIV and huge for prevention. And to have something like that in your toolkit to protect you against acquisition. And it was on the table for FDA approval, but I think the COVID wave pushed everything to the back burner. But I think they are actually using CAB for prevention in Europe. I think they already approved the shot and it's like a bi-monthly shot that you'll get. And we were excited to be a part of that. We were the only site in New Jersey to be a part of that. So we'd, we'd like to note those things because we want everybody in the surrounding areas to feel proud of the work that we do. And we want them to understand that, you know, us being a part, you and us being a part of these PrEP clinical trials is just going to help enhance the science for the future and make us better than we were before and hopefully save lives. You mentioned that Research with a Heart has a PrEP study specifically for women. What is it about this study that makes it different from other PrEP studies? 
I think the, the main thing that makes this different about other prep studies is honestly that it involves women. I would attend so many com- conferences and community organized events where women would feel left out. A lot of people would voice their opinions. And sometimes it wouldn't be women. Sometimes it would be men or or people of the trans experience that would talk about how women should be included in PrEP clinical trials because women are still being impacted by HIV, especially in sub-Saharan Africa. Women are the number one um, uh, victims of acquiring HIV. So it's really important to have everyone included in research because we're all here, we exist. We're, we're a part of this civilization. So if you don't have women, but women are getting HIV, what are you doing? What are we doing? How are we actually saying that we're doing the work that needs to be done when we're leaving out a huge group of people who should be included because they're impacted? And can people still sign up for the study and get involved? People can definitely sign up for the study. Um, you can you can contact us, like I said, research with the heart at njms.ruckers.edu. If you want to shoot us a DM, you can also contact us. It's on my background at Research with the Heart on Facebook and Instagram. We're very friendly. We're very open. You can email me. Uh, J-A-M-I-R dot T-U-T-E-N at Rutgers.edu. There's so many ways to participate. If you're nervous, if you don't understand clinical trials, if you need a little bit of background information around the work that we're doing, if you want to come see our space, you know, you got to have your mask on and stuff. But, you know, we welcome people into the space to get them comfortable and to get them to understand how we work and how we do things because we're a fun bunch. We're an inclusive group of people. We're a colorful group of people. And we want people to have all the necessary information that could better, that can help benefit them in achieving a great health and wellness journey. Jameer, thank you so much for joining us today and giving us all a little glimpse into the work you do with Research with a Heart. We really hope you learned something new today. To learn more about Nika ETC's work and our role in ending the HIV epidemic, visit us at www.nikaatc.org. That's www.nikaatc.org. If you have questions or comments about anything we covered today, or if you have suggestions for topics you'd like to hear talk about, don't hesitate to email us at podcast at nikaatc.org. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at nikaatc.org. Stay safe and we'll see you on Thursday for our next episode of Nika in the Know. This presentation is supported by the Health Resources and Services Administration, HRSA, of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, HHS. The contents are those of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official views of, nor an endorsement by HRSA, HHS, or the U.S. government.